Gospel of Mark, chapter number one. Mark, chapter number one. Uh, I'm honored to be here today and with Brother Billy and, and uh, Miss Regina and all of you. And uh, I'm uh, uh, 80, but I can still whip you a pastor. <laughs> I'm telling you, I have to come around often and keep him straight. I got here this time, he was backslidden. In fact, your pastor didn't know that. Uh, you don't know this about your pastor. He was preaching some time ago. And while he was preaching, the ceiling fell down and knocked a fellow to the floor. And being the compassionate man he was or is, he run down there and said, oh, sir, are you hurt? Are you hurt? Man said, Lord, hit me again. I still hear him. <laughs> uh, I need a cup of water. If somebody go and get me one. I appreciate it. Uh, this fellow uh, came home from church one day and said, I'm not going back to church anymore. And that's why I said, why? I said, no, I'm not going back over there anymore. I give you three reasons. Number one, uh, they don't like me over there. Number two, they won't speak to me over there. Number three, they hate me over there. She said, I'll give you three reasons why you're going back to church. Number one, you married me, said you'd take me to church. Number two, you're going to have to be a good example for your children. And uh, thirdly, you're the pastor. <laughs> I, uh, I am real honored to be here. I um, want to see revival. Uh, I was telling, uh, talking a few minutes ago, and... Uh, about uh, how indifferent people are uh, across the country. Uh, you go to church Sunday morning, about half of them come back Sunday night. Wednesday nights is about died out because people are too busy with the cares of this life. Revival is for the saints of God. When revival comes to a person's heart, you go to church. I read a lot about revivals of past years when the really revival broke out in, in the Welsh, thanks Charles, broke out in the Welsh revival. The churches were at low ebb and, and very few attended and uh, very few, if any, got saved. And uh, so when revival broke out at Charlotte Chapel in Edinburgh, Scotland, the pastor said when he come to church on Sunday morning uh, that it would be filled and packed. In fact, she said, when I got there, they'd be around the altar praying and uh, praying that God would save. Many times it would be on uh, preaching that they got so burdened and broken. And on Sunday nights that uh, they'd fill the house. When you see houses and Christian people, uh, they say, I love God. Well, one thing about loving God is loving the house of God. Now, this is not the church. This is a church building. You're the church. I'm the church. You're the church. Jesus didn't die for buildings. He died for people. And so the church comes together. When you hear somebody say, well, you don't have to go to church all the time. Immediately, immediately, you'll know that they're not spiritually where they need to be with God. How many of you thought you were coming to church today when you left the house, before you left the house? My wife and I always have a policy of uh, we pray before we leave the house. I don't care where we go, walking or, or if we go out, uh, whatever we're going to do, we pray. We're on the road. We always pray. When I left the motel this morning, before I left, I prayed because I had to, I want to prepare my heart. 
uh, to come and worship God today. I wonder how many of you thought something miraculous was going to, well, come on, we got to go to church. Don't pastor get on to us. That's not it at all. You come to worship God. Very few people ever worship. You ever hear anybody say, I go to church, don't get anything out of it. You hear that? Uh, Do y'all hear music? I don't. But if you've got a radio, you turn that radio on and there's music in the air. When I hear somebody say that, <laughs> I'll immediately know they're not plugged up. <laughs> you got to prepare yourself to receive the word of God. Haven't read your Bible all week. Haven't prayed and come in and say, here I am, Lord, do something for me. I didn't enjoy it. Didn't like a preaching today. Like this. <laughs> don't die on me. <laughs> Like this uh, man, wife, and little boy's home after church, and the wife at lunch got to talking about, oh, I didn't like any of the songs this morning. And, and uh, the husband said, I thought that preacher would uh, never shut up. That's the longest sermon he ever preached. Little boy looked up and said, Dad, I thought it was a pretty good show for the nickel you put in. <laughs> We're here to worship God. The word of God. I'm going to preach a very, very simple. I couldn't preach a more simpler message to you this morning and uh, that God's laid up on my heart. But do, if you love God and want to see revival in your heart, in your home and in your community, be here because the Lord. And, and I looked over the book of, uh, of Malachi. They said it's vain to worship God. It's vain to go. And they snuffed at it. You, you looked at it where it, uh, uh, the Bible said in Matthew, uh, Malachi said they snuffed at it. You know what it means? Hmm. Hmm, they snorted. Hmm. Well, it's vain to go to church. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus died for the church. Amen. You ought to want, I mean, God to do something special. And I, I didn't come to impress you as to whether I can preach or cannot preach, but I want you to fall in love with Jesus, and that'll automatically bring you back to the house of God. Amen. Mark chapter number one. The Bible said, uh, and uh uh, verse number 39, and he said, and he, Jesus, preached in their synagogues. You know what that means? I've got written there, Jesus went to church. He did. That was his custom, to spend the Lord's day anywhere else but the house of God. Man, it's sin, because we're commanded to go to church. In fact, he said in Hebrews ten twenty five, go more as you see that day approaching. Go, go more. You need the encouragement. But anyway, Jesus went to church. So that ought to be a pattern for every Christian throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. And that word devil means demons. And there came a leper to him, beseeching, begging him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion. Now, I want to stop there for just a moment. I read something about compassion. Compassion begins when you feel their pain in your heart. A leper sometimes wouldn't have, I mean, their eyeballs would fall out of the sockets. Sometimes their toes would rot off her fingers. And they would look like more inhuman than human. And uh, there was no cure for leprosy. 
and uh, they had to holler somebody come in unclean, unclean women would hang out cloths and uh, white cloths so they could wipe themselves from those uh, running sores of leprosy on them. They could not sit on the rock for fear. I, I mean, they were not permitted to do so for fear that somebody else would come and might pick up a germ. They couldn't even put their mouth to a, a, a stream of water for fear a germ would go down and somebody catch them. They were outcasts, couldn't go anywhere from their family and everything else. But, oh, I love this. When Jesus saw him, he was moved with compassion. When Jesus saw the, uh, this leper, uh, he was moved with compassion. I saw these starving people the other day. On, on, they had them on television. They're dying by the thousands in and, and, uh, the Horn of Africa and, and other places and, and because of uh, malnutrition and everything. And by the way, they say there's a food shortage around the world. God knows how to get our attention. I don't believe that we're going to recover this nation for what we're going through. But the more I see that, the better I know the Lord's coming again. Amen. And the word of God said that he was moved with compassion. And uh, the scripture tells us, uh, and he put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And soon as he has spoken, immediately, that means right on the spot, the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed and straightly charged him and uh, uh, and forthwith sent him away. But now notice what Jesus said. He said unto him, see thou say nothing to any man. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, he just got healed from an incurable disease. And the Lord said, don't say anything about it. It's kind of like getting salvation. If you really get saved, you got to talk about it. And here the Bible said, but there's reason for it. He said, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest and offer for thy uh, cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto him. But notice what he did. But he went out and began to blaze uh, began to publish it much and to blaze it abroad. <clears throat> the matter, <clears throat> pardon me, insomuch that Jesus could no more in openly enter into the city, but was without. And that's the reason he didn't want him to. Jesus was a healer, but that wasn't the reason he came. He came to die for people. <clears throat> he did. <clears throat> pardon me, I got a frog in my throat and he's trying to cross his legs. <clears throat> And he said here, uh, insomuch that he could more, uh, he came and that these people that did, I mean, they made their own healing campaigns and everything else. The greatest miracle of all when we get healed of our sickness, sin sickness in Jesus Christ. And the word of God said that he could more openly, but here's what I want you to see. They came to him from every quarter. That's what I want to preach this morning. <clears throat> Pardon me. They came to him from every quarter. I mean, talking about, so this morning, some of you may have came from this way, some east, west, north, or south, and but they all came down here. Why did these people come? You know why they came? There had been a wonderful manif manifestation of the power and the presence and, and uh, 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 the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see what happens when there's a mighty manifestation among the people of God and something that will draw them. I'm talking about for revival broke out here and the saints of God got out here and began to talk about what do you talk about when you leave the house of God? What are you going to take from you? What are you going to take from this service today? I'm talking about what are you going to do? Who 
did you see? What did you think about when you came to this beautiful building? But what are you going to take home with you? I'm talking about, are you going to leave here? Many people come to church Sunday morning, Sunday nights, and those that are so faithful to God, they come back Sunday nights and, and they love the house of God. And they come back Wednesday night. Hey, hey, what are you, hey, what are you going to take home with you? I, I mean, listen, God got something for everybody here this morning in every service. I always take, if I sit down and listen to a pastor and I have not yet got to the place that the word of God does not break me. I've not got to the place yet that when I hear the word of God and the man of God that it doesn't stir my heart. I want to tell you that's what I'm talking about. That being a mighty, marvelous manifestation. By the way, I'd like for that to break out here today. In fact, I'm going to shout myself, what are you doing or not? You understand that? Jesus, how many of you believe the Lord's here? Hey, he is. Every time you come, he's here. Every time you come. But anyway, there's been a mighty manifestation of God. I want to show you, look down in verse number 28. The Bible said his fame spread abroad throughout all of the region. How much, I'm telling you again, how much do you talk about Jesus after you leave the house of God next week or this week? How much did you talk about Jesus to somebody? You understand it is from the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaketh. I mean, if Jesus is in here, you want to talk about him. Well, I'm bashful. Get over it, friend. Get over it. Here, look at verse 33. And all the city was gathered, good, gracious, at thy door. Verse 36 and 7 said, and all men seek for thee. You know what? Everybody was talking about Jesus. I've watched people in congregations for years. And as soon as we're dismissed, let's go eat. Hey, see, the Lord knows what you're thinking now. Hey, you may be here at 12 o'clock, but your mind's eating. I mean, man, automatically we just turn around and say, hey, wasn't that a wonderful song? I, I'm glad that uh, Brother Charles sang this morning. I've never heard you sing before. You look too much like your daddy. <laughs> but what are you going to take home with you? What, what, I mean, after the service is over. What are you going to talk about? Everybody. I mean, me, man, everybody, everywhere they were mentioning the name of Jesus. And by the way, more and more, they're trying to tell us, don't say anything about Jesus anymore. And that makes me want to tell it more. <laughs> but here, the Bible said they came from every quarter. Every, I mean, everybody was talking about the Lord. What, what if you went to your neighbors today, say, man, alive. We, we met over to, at the church a while ago and Jesus was there. We were blessed of God. We come together. Why do you come to worship? You come to hear the word of God and to worship him. Now, clue worthy. First of all, I'll give you three simple things. Number one, the people who came. Number two, I'll give you that in a moment. Uh, And uh, the person to whom they came and the procedure by which they came. Three simple things. Are you glad you're here? Say amen. Amen. The Bible said here, the people. And who were they? And who was it? And why did they come? Let me ask you, why did you come? Well, I supposed to go to church. Uh-uh. There's something. I mean, man, it, 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 sure you're supposed to assemble together. Well, what do you do when you lay out? I'm talking about God's people ought to be the most excited people in the world. 
And wherever we go, I had a deacon years ago, and, and uh, he stuttered. And I'm going to kind of do it, but I, I, I'm not making fun. It's a speech impediment that people have, and they can't help it. But he, he said to me, he's a, oh, he's a godly old man, and he had a big stomach. And he said, and talked, his name was Elmer Lauer. He said, Brother Burgess, this is the first church I have as assistant pastor. He said, would you like to have more of Jesus? I said, well, yeah, Brother Lauer, tell me. He said, I'll tell you what, if you want more of Jesus. He said, the more you talk about it, the bigger he gets. I've already talked to my wife four times a day. You know why? I love her. I love Jesus, but I don't have time to talk to him. Don't look at me that way. If you love somebody, you love to talk to him. I hear these people say, well, I just don't have time to pray. Cut your TV off as the world flips. I'm talking about right here. Who were they? Why did they come? I tell you why. Some people come out of curiosity just to see what the pastor is going to preach on, whether you like it or not. I didn't like that sermon. Big deal. No, no. What I'm saying, what do you come for? Why? Some people come to church out of curiosity. Some people go to church to see what the women wear. They used to wear hats. Who do you see when you come to church? Well, there's that old person again. They got that same suit on the head last Sunday. Why do you come? Some came out of curiosity. How many of you came to really worship God today? I'm talking about really, I'm talking about when I say worship God. How many of you want God to do something special for you? How many would you like for the Lord Jesus just to stir you? How many? How many just came? By the way, I helped. I could name some couple of preachers. I helped them. I'm over there on Sunday. Now, preacher, I usually quit preaching about 5 to 12. My people like to get out at 12. I honor what he says. I honor that because I'm in his pulpit. But how dumb is that? Lord, I've 11 o'clock and 12 o'clock, we ought to be out of here. Wow. That's real love for the Lord, isn't it? Go to the basketball game. Man, Carolina played. Man, they went into overtime. Three overtimes. We're going to go overtime this morning. (laughs) They came out of curiosity. I've had men, I've had fellas to come in. Well, my wife fussed on me, just kept on fussing, so I got up and come. Wow, he really enjoyed the service that day. Why? Some come to hear singing. I've had people say, I come to hear, well, what if they didn't have singing? Would you still come? I love singing. I'm not saying that. But is that the reason you go? What if it couldn't sing good? (laughs) I was in one church and this group came in. Levon, he they came in, had guitars, mandolin, everything, and had a stack of songs this high. And when they got up to sing, pastor introduced them, and they got up, 
First thing they said, we ain't singers. We didn't come prepared to sing. They got half of it right. They had a stack of songs that high, but they couldn't sing. Why you come? Let me, let me right quick go down through here. Who was it that came? Young people came, old people came. If, if you read it, the, uh, the prince, the poor. But here's what I noticed. Now listen right quickly. Here's what I noticed. That everybody in this chapter had a special need. Everybody. Now, there's all kinds of needs here today. Physical needs. I mean, man, you're troubled in your mind. You might have financial needs. You might have gotten laid off. You might be going through a valley, whatever it is. But everybody here, let me show you what I'm talking about. If you look down here in verse number uh, 23, there's a man with an unclean spirit. He's gripped with this unclean, impure, dirty, horrible spirit. But he comes to Jesus and Jesus makes him pure and clean and sets him free. Look in verse number 30. Simon Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a fever. Now, the Catholics don't believe Peter was married. It'd be bad to have a mother-in-law not married. Y'all know the difference between a mother-in-law and an outlaw? An outlaw's wanted. But get down there and he healed. Now, look in verse 32. And all that was diseased and possessed with demons, devils, the Bible said they came. Well, let me list some things right quickly. I remember the day I got saved. I got saved when I was uh, 12 years of age. I got saved one Sunday morning on July the 4th, 1943. And, and, and I, I remember God, I'm not going into the reason and how I got under Holy Ghost conviction, but one thing was I heard a man preach on hell and you don't hear much hell fire preaching anymore, especially these TV folks. I mean, man, all they want is a seed offering. But what I'm trying to tell you, I I got under conviction. And I went to church that morning and, and walked into the second basement of the Second Baptist Church in Fort Payne, Alabama. And uh, I met a friend of mine. I said, Jimmy, I'm going to get saved today. He said, you know, I, I, I've i been thinking about it. I said, I don't know about you. But as soon as Brother Sid Windsor, that man of God, got through preaching, I went down and got saved. Yeah. Hey, I can tell you some things. I said, you know what I've done? I've rehearsed that in my mind ever since I got saved. Every day, every morning, I remember that I can tell you uh, what I said some of the things I said and I can tell you some of the things the preacher asked me and when I got through he said do you believe the Lord will I said yes sir I do I got saved at 12 o'clock I got baptized in a Wills Creek uh, down south of Fort Payne Alabama and on the south end and at 2 o'clock I got baptized at 6 o'clock I ran to church <laughs> Woo! and couldn't wait to get up and tell him I got saved that morning I had a lady come up to me one time to testimony meeting. She said, son, you're going to be a preacher. And I are. I wanted to. Hey, I wanted to go. I couldn't wait to get back. Now, you got people that said, I got saved. You might not see them for six months. But I want to tell you one thing. A salvation that doesn't take you to the house of God and be excited about going to the house of God. There's something wrong with your salvation. If it doesn't bother you to lay out a, a worship service, it's not coming to church, coming to worship around the word of God in spirit and in truth. Hey, that shows where you stand with God. I've never seen anybody really get thoroughly uh, in, uh, I'm talking about revived in the heart that did not want to go to church. Didn't get me the amen, but it's the truth anyway. 
Now look down here. Why did you go? Maybe for you say, preach, I'm, I came here today to get saved. I'm visiting this church or I'm a church member. But oh, maybe that's why you came. Or maybe you came here. You just needed some assurance concerning your salvation. I mean, you need some assurance. Now, a lot of people doubt. Now, Satan, listen to what I'm going to tell you. You know what settled me after I got saved? I mean, I down to creek to get baptized. The devil says, y'all, you ain't saved. I found out if he tell you you ain't, you is. I knew I was saved. Even after I was called to preach. I, was, I pr- helped conduct my first revival when I was 14. And uh, went two weeks, had so many people saved. I preached every other night. I'm going to all that. Anyway, but I, I'm just saying, I, I, I wanted, I wanted. And the devil said, oh, you're not called to preach. And I knew I was because I like chicken. <laughs> One night, I'll give you my chicken poem. I was, I was a boy and mom and dad when we lived out in the country, just about five miles out of town. And, and we moved to town when I was six and a half. And that helped preacher come. And, um, and, and in those days, children ate last. Wait till the grown-ups eat. Now, Brother Billy, I remember, I, I can remember that man's name. His last name was Kirby. And I look in there and old Brother Kirby, he'd get those little pulley bones and the breast. I ended up with the neck and the back. And I said, God, please call me. <laughs> and now children eat first. <laughs> Maybe it come for some cleansing of some habit or some sin. Maybe you said it's been a long time since God just, I mean, I'm, I've been reading, Brother Billy. I don't see many people hungering to walk close to God. I don't hear people crying, oh, God, let me walk. But maybe you came here today and said, I want that fire back in my heart. I want that desire back again. Hey, you're not trying to please a preacher. You're trying to please the one who died for you. It's all about Jesus Christ. This building is not about you. It's about Jesus, the Lamb of God. Yes, ma'am. Maybe you need power to break some habit in your life. I'm going over there today and I'm, I'm listen, maybe something evil is, maybe you need some guidance concerning your family. Maybe you need guidance in your life trying to find the will of God and you're going to come over here today just for that. Or maybe this morning, ladies and gentlemen, you just needed some grace to sustain you. Maybe you just needed, oh man, you're running, just missionary years ago when I first started, his name was, last name was Ferguson. He said one day he was riding down the highway with this preacher in the car and uh, he got to doing it this way. And he said, man, what are you trying to do, wreck us? He said, no, I'm about out of gas. I'm sloshing the tank. <laughs> I watched some of y'all come in this morning. <laughs> well, almost didn't come. Come on, kids. We got to go to church. Come on. Oh, no. Oh, no. Maybe you came just to need some, the grace of God to sustain you. You might have come in here today and that heart's been heavy. I mean, man, I mean, you just needed some comfort. Your heart's been filled with sorrow. You haven't told anybody about it, but God knows all about it. But let me put it this way. Thank God for whatever reason you came. I'm glad you're here. Woo, 
I'm glad you're here. The Lord is always here. He's always, ain't nobody else may know. But God knows what you're thinking right now. And you can lift your hand up. You're saved. And you're really not living close to God. You don't read your Bible anymore. You don't pray and have your devotion home anymore. And But somehow you're just drifting along. Hey, may this be the day you have an encounter with the one who saved you. Who gave his life for you. You understand? Why? Why? You come that you may leave here more on fire for God. Hey, you hear what I'm saying? We're here to leave here closer to Jesus. Number two, the person to whom they came. The Bible said they came to him. If you look at verse 21 and 22, he said, I'm a teacher from God. That means uh, of his authority. Number 20, verse 23 and four, he said, he's a holy one. Well, he's the son of God. But here's what I want you to see. Verse 40, he said, I love that. And I came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying to him, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. <laughs> Let's bring that down to Benson Grove language. He said, if thou wilt, you know what he was really saying? He said, Lord, if you want to, you can make me clean. Guess what? <laughs> Jesus said, I want to. I've had people say, well, does God still love me? There never has been a time God didn't love you. He loved you when you're the sinner. But you don't know what I've done. Hey, I don't care what you've done. God still loves you. It doesn't make any difference how far away and how cold your heart is. God still loves you. His love is not like this. By the way, God's not a Baptist. He'll forgive you. I mean, God, hey, brother, if I can just convince people that God loves him, I love this. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Woo! If he loved me when I was a sinner, then you know he loves me now because I'm his youngin'. Can I, some, Charles, will you run for me? <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you, they came, look at it. Here's what, it, hey, I want you to look with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 16. But I'm going I'm to tell you something in Job chapter number one. In Job chapter number one, in Job chapter number one, uh, the, God asked Satan where he'd been. He said, well, I've been walking in the earth, up and down in the earth. <laughs> this dude on TV, Copeland, he said it was none of God's business where he had been, that he's the God of this world. I thought, dummy, God wasn't asking for information. <laughs> but here's what I want. Hey, the devil, by the way, are you listening? Your enemy is not your pastor, it's Satan. The world, the flesh and the devil. But we got somebody who's conquered him. He's going about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Who do you think discourages you? Who do you think? Oh, but I got somebody. He's walking. But I want you to see when I saw this, I said, well, I had a spell. Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse number nine. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong 
in behalf of him whose heart is perfect or literally fixed on him. So look at me now. Look at the devil is a walking up and down, but the Lord is a running. (laughs) Guess who gets there first? (laughs) Some of y'all are going to, you're not going to be able to take a nap this afternoon. You're going to, whoo, whoo. Oh, listen. He said, I want to. I want to. Do you want, hey, God deal with your heart. Wouldn't you just like to get back that thrill that you had when you first got saved? When you couldn't lay the Bible down, you couldn't hardly wait to get to church. We like to have that burden back again that you had for the lost people. That's what revival is. Falling in love with Jesus. Oh, good Lord. I'm talking about Jesus. He said, I want to. Now, notice this. The pers- how, did they come to, how did they come to Jesus? They came just like they were. The leper came just like he was. You don't have to do anything. Just come. I wish everybody here that professes to know the Lord would say, Lord, I want to leave you on fire for you today. I want revival to break out in my heart and my home. And I, I want to talk more about you. And oh, God, I'm a, I, I, I do that. I don't worry about people who come to altars. I worry about those who never, they never come to the altar to pray. This little boy, he'd go every service. I mean, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I, I did that a lot when I was a young man. I just wanted God to use me so much. But I'd come, this kid went every service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. True story. And one time, uh, finally, uh, this man came up to him and, and said, son, you're embarrassing this whole church. And uh, said, you come down and pray every service. Said, we had a revival just recently. And you came down every night. He said, don't you know you're embarrassing us all? Why do you come? That little boy bowed his head. And... And then he looked up and he said, Mr., you know why I come? He said, that's right. Why do you come? He said, I don't want to be like you. <laughs> it doesn't make any difference what people think about it. Hit this place. Come and pray. You can't kneel. You can come sit on a pew. I heard Jonathan Falwell after his dad went to be with the Lord. He said, I was in on the building of this huge auditorium they got. He said, my dad said, and these steps, they empty out right down to the altar. He said, my dad said that people ought to come to the altar every once in a while and won't have a place for them to come. That night, that place, I mean, they flooded that aisle. I was up here out of in Pelham, North Carolina. I got through preaching one night. Brother Billy, oh, moms, dads, people weeping. He got so broken. Man came up to me, said, I've been a member of this church all many years. This is the first time I've seen in many a year this happen in our church. We're so geared to come in and to leave. Notice what he did. Notice what he did. The Bible said they came to him and uh, 
not only that, they came in faith. They came in faith. They knew Jesus. Jesus, if I will, oh, hey, Jesus, if you will, I know you can help me. Jesus, if you will, I know you can touch me. Jesus, you can help my burden. You can help my son. You can help my family. Jesus, you can do it. He said, I want to. Woo! I want you to know he wants to. Jesus wants to help you. You moms and dads that got children and you lay out with them Sunday night, you're teaching your children. You're teaching your grandchildren. That church is not important. You're teaching them. My boys missed one Sunday. I knew that I couldn't get them saved. I couldn't do it for them. But I promised God. And they had chicken pox that Sunday. I said to them, we go to the house of God. Because he died for the church. Not to see nor be seen, but we're there. But not only that, nobody's so good that you don't need to come. Our righteousness, hey, you might feel, oh man, I've been saved. Big deal. Our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. Is anybody here that hadn't sinned since you've been saved? Raise your hand. We'll laugh at you. I was in a camp meeting. This preacher said, how many of you stole something since you've got been a Christian? Several people raised their hand. He said, how many of you? <laughs> uh, when I get to thinking about it, he said, how many of you lied <laughs> since you've been saved? How many people raised their hand? Are, are, are you listening? I've seen Christians take salt shakers off a table. They collect them. It's like Dr. Vance Havner said, some lady come up to him and said, Dr. Havner, I don't know what in the world this world's coming to. Said somebody broke in my house and stole all of my holiday in towels. Lying is when you put up your hand and you're not surrendered to Christ, not dedicated to Christ. You're not where you used to be with God. The fire's gone. The thrill's gone. Oh, yeah. How many of you know you're right with God? Oh, no. Oh, you can be a Christian and still not be in fellowship with God. But nobody's so bad you can't come. You don't know what I've done. Don't care what you're doing. <laughs> Him that coming to me, y'all in no wise cast out. I, Brother Billy, have you ever seen anybody the Lord turn down? I've never seen God turn down anybody. I was over in the Coalfield country. By the way, I go to a mission church once a month. Just about, well, some months I don't, but about most every month I go to mission church. And I Pay my motel bill, food bill, and everything. I've been doing it for years. But anyway, I went to this church, and uh, they had a small church, and had uh, uh, that pack place was packed. Had two Sunday school rooms in the back, and they had the curtains or, or a petition across there and all. And uh, but there was a pretty blonde-headed girl. Somebody called me back there, and uh, I went back there. And she just crying. I said, "Young lady, are you Christian?" She said, "No." 
I said, would you like to be? She said, yes. And uh, she said, preacher, I need to tell you something. I said, okay. She said, I'm, I'm just living with a man and I'm not married. I said, young lady, let's deal with your salvation. Let's do with this first. And so I, uh, I instructed her and prayed with her. And she assured me she received Christ. Said, you don't receive a feeling. You receive a person. Don't look for a feeling. You're receiving a person. Jesus. And when she said that, I said, now let me tell you what you do. I said, has God forgiven you? She said, yes. I said, you go home and you tell that man that you've become a Christian. Marry you if he loves you. If you don't, get out. And she said, I will. But you know, that's happening all over the country in churches. Yeah. More teenagers, girls are bragging about how many boys they've slept with. And they go to church. Had a friend over in East Tennessee. Had two young girls in a choir, youth choir. Praise the Lord. They told the parents they were lesbians. There's something missing that people can walk in church, feel comfortable with how they're living. We got a permissive society, but God doesn't permit it. It isn't what I think, it's what God knows and what God thinks. But last of all, (laughs) last of all, no one is so good that you don't need to come. But right now, if if your heart needs to be warmed up, you can come. If you failed, God will restore you. He'll restore you. If you're a sinner, he'll forgive you. You said, how can I do it? You can come now. In a moment, and may I ask you that nobody leave during the invitation unless you're sick and have to, or maybe have to go to work. The most important part of this service right now, everybody, uh, listen, everybody here is making a decision how you're going to leave God, how you're going to leave here. Everybody's making a decision right now. I, I, I can't make a decision for you. We see in every service, when you leave, how you going to respond? What's God dealt with you about? You need to respond because Satan will talk you out of it before you leave. Brother Billa, as God is my witness, I want God to invade this place. I want him to invade our hearts and our lives until nothing else really matters. That Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, is first in our life and first in our homes. And that the people that we live by know that you're dedicated, dedicated, separated child of God. But when they see you stay at home, you don't go half the time. I wonder what they think about you. We're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We're here representing Jesus Christ. Man, me represent Jesus? Yep, he lives in me. My God, he lives in me. If you've been saved, he lives in you. He wants you. He deserves first place in your life. He deserves your commitment to Christ. Why? Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. What did he do? 
I just haven't gotten over it. That he loved me enough to die for me. And I have to beg you to come revive. And I beg you to come back to church. That's a disgrace. To the Lamb of God. Clothes you got on, he give them to you. Where you live, he gave it to you. Where you work, whatever you have, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I don't own anything. I walk out of my house, Regina. I say, thank you for letting me live in your house, Lord. <laughs> Woo! Y'all understand what I'm saying? It's all about Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. I love God, but I just don't go to church all the time. You don't love God. No, you don't love the Lord. If you did, you'd do what he said. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. If you, if you really love me, he said, unless you hate your father and mother, your brother. He said, you're not worthy of me. That word hate means to love them less. I got thinking about that. Love my, my parents less. Yeah. Why? Mom and dad love me. Oh, they did love me. They took me to church. Told me about Jesus. But they didn't die for me. They didn't die for me. But Jesus did. And so I owe him allegiance above everything. I don't mean this except in the way I tell you. I don't enjoy being away from my wife. I'd rather sleep in my bed. I got good accommodations. My wife and I talk about it. I ask myself, why am I doing this? I'm 80 years old. Why? Why? Because there's something inside of me driving me like a madman. There's a driving force. I hear people say, when are you going to retire? Ain't. How can you retire when the fires are burning? You understand what I'm saying? A revival is get your heart pumping for Jesus. Put him first in your life and, and commit yourself to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. That's what it's all about. Not about me. John, I talk about a lot. I say, honey, isn't God good? Let us do what we do. I've asked the Lord three things. I've asked him uh, extension of years like it did Hezekiah, and he's doing that. I've asked him, let me be a Caleb. <laughs> he's as strong at 85 as he was 40. And then I've asked him, endue me in power like Elisha. And I feel God more than I've ever felt him as I preach. Then I've asked him to enlarge my coast. And I'm getting to preach in places I've never preached before. God honored my request because the only reason I want to live is because of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. 